Alright, uh, I'm Cody, I'm a drug addict. How is everybody? Good? Alright, um, I want to start off with saying it's an honor and a privilege to be asked to uh, do anything, especially to come to a meeting that I've never came to before. Uh, makes me question your judgment, but we'll go with it. Um, a few things to get started with. Uh, I have a bad mouth. Uh, I cuss quite often. I will try to refrain from that, but uh, sometimes it just comes out. Um, my clean date is November 2nd, 2016. And my home group, meet, or home group is the firing line. It's uh, in Boone's Creek. Some of you all have been to it. Um, anything else? All right. So um, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, and somebody told me that it might not be a good idea to go this way, but I'm going to try it and see what happens. Um, there, there's a line in the book that it talks about being irritable, restless, and discontented. And it got me thinking, like... Uh, I had those things way before I started getting high. Um, as a child, I would, I like to think of it because I was really advanced <laughs> and smart. I would get bored and uh, I would go home and my dad would be like, well, they're just not challenging you. And I was like, okay. And, and in reality, I, and I was just bored. I was mad and like, I, I can, I can sit up here and say that I had a bad childhood, that my mom was an alcoholic and she drank all the time, which is true, it, but I don't know that that really had any uh, influence on, on the way I turned out. Um, so I was probably 10 or 11, and, and I remember going to the hospital because my grandma wanted me to to see my mom. And she, her liver was failing, so her ankles were really swelling up. Her eyes were yellow, and like, they said, you are going to die if you drink again. And it wasn't, 48 hours later, she drank again, and the doctors were right. She died. And, and I remember thinking, like, how can I use this to my advantage? How, how can I take this and run with it? And I did that for a long time. And when I would get in trouble at school, I, you know, people, my family would look over it, my teachers would look over it like, well, he's a smart kid, but he's got a rough childhood. I don't know how his home situation is. And, and I used that. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say that my dad doesn't love me, because he does. Uh, I'm, I'm sure my mom loved me as well. But at the time, I, I'm very unhappy with the situation that I was dealt. I, I'm, I'm not content with what is going on around me. I would go stay at my friend's house, and they would have like what I thought was this perfect childhood. I mean, they had a mom, they had a dad, they, they got to go do, like, cool family vacations and shit like that, and, like, 
I didn't do those things unless somebody outside my family took me. Like my aunt would take me, my grandparents would take me. Uh, not that my dad didn't want to. I don't think he, looking back on it, he, I don't think he knew how. He was probably doing the best he could at the time. But at the time, I don't see that. At the time, I think I'm getting shorted, and everybody else is not. And, and it, it makes me mad. So when I leave going over to stay at somebody's house or I leave, you know, after a ball game, I, I'm mad at the kids around me because what I think they have, I deserve. And, and, and it starts off like a motivation. So when, when I act a fool or I don't get my way, I, I use this. Like if I had what those people had, I would be happy. And I mean, I believe that to my core. And I don't know that my childhood really influenced me as much as I would like to think it did. Like I could sit up here and tell you that my mom never loving me gave me all kinds of insecurities, which is probably true. Uh, my dad never showed me how to be a man, which was probably true. But at my core, I had these things being irritable, restless, and discontented way before I ever found drugs. And, but I did. In about middle school, I, I, you know, I started uh, experimenting because that's what all kids do, right? You know, go behind the dugout and smoke. And they'll steal some of their parents' liquor and, like, I was just being a boy. And, and this is what everybody's telling me. My whole family's telling me that. Like, they're looking over my behavior, and, and I, I think I'm on to something. Because when I, when I start getting high and when I start getting drunk, yeah, I enjoy the buzz. But I also enjoy I have no... Uh, I'm not mad. I don't have the fear that there's something wrong with me is why I'm getting dealt this shitty hand. That, that I'm going to be okay. And I enjoy it. So I started doing more of it. And, and I remember uh, I went over to uh, one of my friend's house. I don't know. I was probably in eighth grade. And we, we go down by the river, which is behind his house, and we have uh, somehow we got our hands on some Seagram 7. And uh, we start drinking it and chasing it with what everybody chases it with, Mountain Dew. And, you know, and so, so we're drinking it, and it doesn't go so well for him. You know, I, I realize that we go to the trampoline, and we lay down, and, like, he gets sick. And the next thing I know, uh, I'm trying to sober up because his mom is like, what's wrong with him? And I'm just, I don't know. And then they continue to put him in the bathtub and strip him down to his boxers and, like, run cold water on him thinking that something's wrong. And his dad, I mean, he had great parents, but his dad goes and gets a Bible. And they start reading. And I remember thinking, well, this is strange. Like, like, not really that my friend is in the bathtub in his boxers 
and his mom keeps saying, what's wrong with my son? That's not weird. What's weird is they go get this book out of their bedroom, and they bring it, and they open it up like it's going to fix him. And, and, you know, I wasn't brought up that way, so I had no clue what they were doing. But when I don't have any clue what people are doing, I automatically assume they're wrong. Automatically, right off the rip, because I'm arrogant, even at that age, and I, and I know what the world is supposed to do, and I know the world has wronged me, so I'm going to act like, I'm going to act accordingly. And from that minute on, I, I kind of enjoyed that little event. Like, he ends up in the bathtub, and I'm feeling just right. He learned something from that I did not. And, 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 and looking back on it, that probably was a sign, you know? But that is not one of the first time. I'm not one of those people that, like, the first time I did it, I had to do it again right then. That's just not my, not my story. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I was not as mad. I didn't feel as wrong by the world. The world was a little bit better placed during that, but I didn't, I don't know that I put two and two together. I'm a little slow, so it took me a while. But, but I started doing it more. And, you know, I never had a problem making friends in school. I had a problem keeping friends. Because the way that I do things is I'm your friend until you don't have anything that I want. Or I'm your friend until I act like an asshole. You call me out on it and we're not friends anymore. And I don't know if anybody else says that, but that's what I do. And, and I will go through life thinking, well, everybody just leaves me. My mom left me. My dad's not really around. And I can't keep friends. So I, I feel alone, and I run with that. And, and drinking turns into drinking and smoking pot. That turns into a couple Laura tabs. A couple Laura tabs turns into this would be really better with a couple Xanax. And it's, it's even better if I, if I do them all together. And then that unfortunately costs money which my dad would give me like $20 a week for lunch and say, you're on your own. And I would use that for, you know, cigarettes and a couple blue footballs. And, and, and that's what I did, and, and I had to make money somehow. So I start selling drugs. And that was fun. I, I enjoy selling drugs. I enjoy the security that money brings me. I enjoy the way it makes me feel. I enjoy proving to the law that I'm smarter. I mean, and these are really things that go through my head. And I'm so blinded by what I've got going on in front of me, I don't see what's really get happening. Is It's taken more of whatever I do to feel the way that I did when I was drinking the very first time. And, and the more I do it, I... I see my friends do it, and then they don't. And I see people go on. They go to college. They, they get good jobs, and I just become more mad. And I get a girl pregnant at a young age. And, you know, I do what any responsible drug addict does. Uh, I get a girl pregnant, my high school sweetheart, and I have to have a way to fund that. So in my mind, 
I'm going to start selling more drugs because I'm good at it. And, and, and at first I could, the signs point that I'm a good drug dealer. I mean, I, I can talk to people. I can persuade people. I, I manipulate people. I use people. And, and I, don't, I don't feel bad for it. I, I, it almost drives me. And then uh, it starts off like what I say is innocent. You know, I'm just selling pot to these rich kids that can afford it anyway. And, you know, if they're going to pay this, they'll definitely pay this. And then I find uh, Oxycontin. And then people really like that, and they will really pay for that. And, and, and I start selling that. And, like, I told you that I started selling more drugs to provide for my little boy and his mom, but that's not the reality. The reality is I, I sold more drugs to do more drugs. And then what happens is the guilt and the shame of selling drugs to, you know, to support my son is it starts going up on the scale. And then the, the irritableness, the restlessness, and, and, and being mad at the world that I've got wrong. I see a lot of people going out and having sex with a bunch of different people. None of them are getting pregnant and, and you know, having a baby. And, and I feel I would love to tell you all that, like, I took that as a lesson, and I took it from, I took it as a punishment from a God that I didn't even believe in. Like, I've been wronged. I, I got a shitty mom. My dad was not present. I can't make and keep friends. I, I'm different. And now this, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm broken. And the only thing that fixes me is getting high. And, you know, I, I would draw lines in the sand like, I'm only going to take these. And I would. And it would work. And I would take them like you're supposed to. It says on the bottle right here, take them. And, and, I, and I would do that. And then I, I got introduced to a hose clamp. And I, and I started shaving them. And I'm like, right here's my line. This is, this is my low. I am not going to shoot dope. And then before I know it, I'm shooting dope, calling all the people that's using the fucking hose clamp stupid. <laughs> or, uh, man, they don't really like to get fucked up. And, and, and this is how my, my ideas of how the world is is dictated by how I'm seeing it. So if I go into one thing and thinking it's a great idea and you all tell me it's not, y'all are stupid. And if you try to stop me, then you're in my way and then I've got no use for you. So long story short, I start getting deeper and deeper in the shit that I shouldn't do. I see more and more of my friends leave or die or, or get strung up or strung out beyond recognition. And the whole time I'm thinking that I'm better than all them, so I keep doing what I'm doing. And, and, and the whole way through, I'm doing more and more in ways that I never said that I would do. I, I would steal from my family. Now, for a long time, I, hadn't, I was not fucked up with stealing because in my head, I said that 
if you're dumb enough to get God, then I'm going to get you. And, and, and these are things that I said in like, and then I would trick myself into thinking that my reality was the one that was right. And, and, I, and I do this deeper and deeper and deeper, and I'm more miserable and crossing lines I never said I would cross, hanging out in areas I never said I would cross, or hang out in. And when I'm about, I don't know, 22, 23, I wake up in a hospital bed. And, and I have a ventilator and a respirator, and I hear the machines going on around me, and like, you know, I'm a big kingpin at this time in my head, and, and I think, I've been shot. That's why I'm in the hospital. I've been shot because somebody was mad I was invading their territory. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but, but the reality is my hands were handcuffed to the bed because I'd OD'd. I'd taken a little bit too many Xanax with my methadone that day. And, and I wake up three days later out of a coma that I had when I was on my grandma's couch because nobody else would allow me to be around. And she was just the last one holding on. And I see my dad and he's holding the clipboard and the look in his eye. And, and you could see he was distraught. And the clipboard he was holding, he was about to take me off the respirator. Because me and him had a running thing, and I was like, Pops, if, uh, if I ever do it and get in this shape, don't leave me plugged into a machine. And I guess he was going to fucking take me up on my, on my deal. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I look at him, and, and, and I felt bad. I, for one of the first times I felt for somebody else. And I said, what have I done? And, and that's not something that comes easy to me because I, I'm so caught up in what the world owes me and how it's wronged me is I don't see what I'm doing to the people around me. And for that minute, I saw the pain in his eyes and I could feel it. Now, that is 10, almost 11 years ago. I do not have 10 to 11 years. Because what I do is, I, I, I see that look, he looks up and he looks at me and uh, we start talking and I forget that feeling. It, it, I need to know how to get myself out of this uncomfortable situation. Because in the end, that's what matters. I do not care that I got my dad sitting in an ICU signing a paper to pull the plug on his 22, 23-year-old son. I don't care. I don't care that my little boy's mom is there crying, saying, what have you done? I do not care. All I care about is, would somebody get this shit out of me, take my hands off of this bed so I can go get high? That's the first thought that comes to my mind. And, and, I, and I'm so caught up in it, that seems normal. Like, looking back on it, most people that OD and end up in ICU, that would be enough to stop them. But unfortunately for me, 
I talk to the doctor and I tell him <laughs> something to the, they, they gave me an IQ test and like they give me the IQ and I tell him that he's just mad that my IQ is higher than his and he sends me home and I hadn't been awake 12 hours so here I am on the couch and telling my dad that I need something, that, that I need to get right. So I manipulate my I manipulate the situation, and I, and I use their love for me against them like I always do, and they take me to a Suboxone doctor. Now, I don't know if any of you all have ever done Suboxone, but that is the miracle drug. Like, everything went right. That's, that's what I thought, and that's what I told my family, and shit gets good. So they're like, yeah, this Suboxone, that's where it's at. We'll pay for it, you know? And... And my aunt sees me doing well, and she calls somebody, and I, and I get to go on the road because i got to change my people, places, and things. And i just got to get away from the environment that I'm in. So I do that. And I go on the road to work, and I'm making, I'm making good money. But I'm still mad. I still feel like the world owes me something for something that happened to me. 15 years prior. I feel like if everybody felt this way, everybody would have a needle in their arm. I, I enjoy traveling not because I got to see the country and meet a lot of cool people. I liked traveling because I could shed any responsibilities that I needed to. I'm a runner. I don't stay in one place long because I don't like to be uncomfortable. And when I piss you all off and you all call me out on it, that makes me uncomfortable. So what I do is I fuck you over and then I go to the next place. When, when you all are no good to me, I move on. And, and I don't care what kind of wreckage I leave behind me. So I, a quick rundown who suffers from that. My dad, the one holding the clipboard, like sitting there crying. And my, man, my dad, well, he is now, but at the time he was not a crying man. And uh, I don't care. My son don't care. His mom that I leave to raise a son, I could care less. I'm going to go on the road and I'm going to make money and I'm going to do good for myself because the world has wronged me. And, and these are things that, I, that I, I carry to my core. And this God that I hear people talk about from time to time when I'm in a bar room or, you know, wherever, I, I laugh at them. And I laugh at the same people that go to church on Sundays and, and, and all this. And the whole time that I'm laughing, these people are going to work, not getting fucked up, not putting needles in their arms, not running from every problem they ever had. But I will tell anybody that listen, they're fucking stupid and they don't know what they're talking about. And I know what's going on. Even though my, the shit around me is falling down, I somehow think I'm going to still pull it off. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so good at my job on the road, and I think that the people from corporate are coming up in the middle of the cornfields in Iowa to give me a promotion and tell me how good my crew's doing. And what they're really coming to do is be like, look, man, 
You're either going to resign or we're going to fire you. Or you can take a drug test. And I say, all right, we'll take a drug test. So we drive an hour and a half to take a drug test. And the whole time I'm running these scenarios, like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so we ride the hour and a half. And I was like, look, man, you got me. I can't pass the drug test. Where do I sign? And so I sign and I resign. And, and I'll tell you how my thought process is. I'm thinking that since I resigned and I'm such a hot commodity in the crane world, that people are going to be beating my door down to get me to come work for them. That is not how it came about. <laughs> so I'm stuck in the middle of Iowa in, the, in this hotel. And that's, I really want you to know what kind of hotel this was. It was like a pay-by-the-week hotel because it was, you know, I always stayed in first-class things. And, and, like, I had no vehicle. I had very little money, and that was, I had to wait on it to get it, cash it out of the retirement that I was planning on saving. And, and I get that money, and, and the walls are closing in, and, and, like, I'm taking my wash and hitting it over and over. I don't know if you all do that, but if, if I'm not right here, I, I, will, I will shoot something just to shoot it. And I do this over and over, and in the mornings I'm going to the gas station, and I'm paying in quarters to get Mike's Harder Lemonade because I can't even drink liquor. <laughs> and, and, and I'm doing this, and I'm walking to the gas station, and I'm doing it, and I'm hating life, and I'm walking away from it saying, how dare them fire me? I can't believe nobody will come get me. I, man, I'm saying anybody that'll listen, my life is a shit show. I didn't do it, but it's a shit show. I've had a run of bad luck. So I, my retirement comes out, and I pay fines out the ass to get it out, and I get on a Greyhound, and I'm coming back home, swearing I will never do drugs again. And I'm in it. A couple hours later, I happen to be sitting beside a woman that has a month, I, yeah, a month of take-homes from the methadone clinic. And I'm like, things are looking up. And she knows I'm sick. I look like death. Uh, I got short sleeves on at the time, and, and my arms look like pin cushions. And I'm carrying my little tote that the company gave me to carry all my shit in because that's all I have. And, and even though I did not want to, I manipulate, and I, and I sing her this woe is me song, and she gives me a take home, and I start feeling better again. And by the time I get to the bus station in Johnson City, I'd forgot all those feelings. And that's not good. I, I go a couple months back home with nothing, staying in trap houses. And when it really gets bad is I get kicked out of a trap house. I, who even does that? And when I say kicked out of a trap house, I'm on the couch on the trap house because they won't let me inside. And they're like, look, you got to go. I, and I leave there cussing them, saying, this is a trap house and you won't let me stay here? And they're like, no. So I leave and I stay up for a week. Long story short, I run through some bushes, some thorn bushes from cops that are not there. After waking up in like an older couple's house in the middle of John City that I have no idea who they are, 
in between their coffee table and their couch because that's what everybody does. And I get woken up by police officers and I go to jail. And they let me sign out for criminal trespassing on an OR bond. And I sign out and I'm convinced that they only let me out because they want to see what I'm doing because I'm such a kingpin. I had sold drugs in like three years. But in my head, I'm paranoid and everybody's out to get me. So I run across interstates. Uh, when we first got together, she'd say, you tell me this story every time we pass it. And it's because I'm running through a graveyard in basketball shorts and a hoodie in the middle of October. And I decide to hide behind a uh, grocery store in the middle of thorn bushes from cops that are not there. <laughs> you know? And daylight comes and things always get easier when it's daylight outside. And, and I walk to my dad's house, the same dad that I leave holding the clipboard, the same dad I haven't talked to in two and a half, three years, and I knock on the door and I'm like, I need help. So they take me to this uh, place called CSU back home. And I stay for six days because I think all I got to do is dry out. So I dry out and I get out of there and I'm miserable. I'm irritated again. The world has wronged me. I've been dealt a shitty hand. So I go home and I tell my dad, he was like, you can't stay here. And I was like, but I need help. And he was like, you just left the place to help you. And, and I talked my dad into giving me I would like to say my last buzz was a good one, but I took four Tab 10s and a couple Xanaxes the last time I got fucked up. And I had to jump through 47 rings to get those from my dad. My own dad. I, I play him and make him feel like a shit father to I eat him up with guilt and he gives me what I want because that's what I do. And the next day, I go to rehab. And, and, and I'm sitting in rehab, and my, and my, my legs are uh, healing up a little bit from the thorn bushes and running from God knows who. And there was somebody in there that, that came in and done H&I. And little did I know, like, how influential that was. And, and I saw his arms, and he had been clean for a little while, and they looked like pin cushions, but they were healed. And he seemed happy, and I said, I don't know that I believe in all this bullshit that you're spewing, but I can tell you did. You got high the way that I did. I can tell you did drugs like me. And now it looks like you don't, or you're going somewhere else. Or uh, I was curious. So I'm like, what do I need to do? I get out and... Uh, I'm still miserable, like, and, and, and it scares me to the point, like, I'm feeling good, you know, I stay in treatment for 40 days, and I'm eating, and, I, and I'm feeling right, and I'm not physically dependent on getting high anymore, and I still have those three things that I hit on at the very first. I'm irritable, I'm restless, I'm bored, I feel like the world has wronged me, and I'm miserable. And, and just so happens, he goes to concerts from time to time. And when I got out, he wasn't around. And it gave me about a day, maybe two days, to really see how miserable. And I'm at my dad's house in the same room that I went to high school in. Talk about humbling. 
to be 30-some years old and move back into your dad's house. And, and I'm miserable. And I call him, and he gets me, and he takes me to an all-women's meeting. And everybody's so fucking happy. And, I, and I'm just hating life more. And I ask him, and say, what do I need to do? And, and he handed me this book. And he said, if you'll let me, if you'll do this, if you care about your life, I'll care about your life. So, man, I, and I did it. And, and, and I do it out of, out of spite. I do it to tell you all that it's not going to work. And, and I do a little bit of work, and he explains to me why I'm irritable and why I'm restless. And, and I get to see these things in the book, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. And, and I meet people that, are, that do drugs exactly like I do, and, and they're not doing it anymore. And, you know, I come into these rooms, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not doing it. I'm more fucked up than you all or not as fucked up as you all. And, and I come in, and, and I want to prove you all wrong, so I do your bullshit. So when, and I say when I go back out, I can walk away from it saying, AA, DAA did nothing for me. And then I will ride off that for the next decade. It, but at some point, you know, when I'm doing this work and, I, and I'm writing these lists and, and doing the work and going into treatment centers, I'm not as mad. I don't feel as wronged. I, I'm not as bored. And these are big deals for me. And, and I haven't been high in a while. And I, and I start meeting people that I truly care about. I get into a relationship that I'm, I'm truly happy about. And then I'm like, well, maybe there's something in this. Maybe that deal I made with a God that I didn't really get on board with, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I can put this relief with shit I'm doing. So I do more. And I, and I start getting more shit back. And life starts getting good. And I get to move out of my dad's house, and he, we, I leave there, and he tells me he's proud of me. Now, this is the same man that, I, you know, six months prior would not leave me alone in his house because I would steal all his shit. And, you know, when I, when I look around at that and I'm like, well, the only thing that I'm doing different is coming to these meetings and, and doing what this guy tells me to do. I don't know that there's anything to it. I don't know that there's anything about this God, but something's working. And shit keeps getting better. Now, I keep going to treatment centers. I get to start sponsoring people, and, and that's shit that I don't do. I get to move in with what is now my fiance, and that's shit that I don't do because I don't stay in one place long enough. I can't, I'm not capable before I come in and I do this work and I get in touch with something outside of me. I'm not capable of loving somebody other than myself. I'm, I'm just not. And by doing this work, at some point I would love to be able to pinpoint it. I don't know. It, come, it becomes less about me and more about what I can do for the people around me. And, and I don't know how that happens, and I wish I could stand up here and give you like a formula. 
and I would sell the shit out of it. And I'd be like, you need to do this at this time, and you'll get this. That will be $200. And I would go to the next one and do it again. And I would do it over and over and over again because I, I, I'm still a big fan of money. It's still to this day. So some things about uh, that little boy that I told you that I left with his mom. I would love to stand up here and tell you that uh, I'm a great father now and we're closer than ever. And that's just not how it went. Now, me and his mom have, have a not great, but good relationship. Good as she can call me knowing that I'll answer. She can say, hey, Dominic needs this. And she knows that I will do my best to give, give her what he needs. She knows that she can count on me. Not great by me. And she's not going to call me anytime and be like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, that's just not where we're at. I bring that up because if three and a half years ago you would have told me your son is still not going to want anything to do with you because of this, I would have told you I will quit trying. Today I look at it like that will make me a better father in the future. I don't do that shit. I don't, I look at only how the world has wronged me, only about the bad shit that's happened to me, only about what I can get out of it, because that's what I want. I don't know if y'all do that, but it's all about me. Those things come, in my experience from doing this work, those things come from me helping somebody else. Those things come from me learning how to get vulnerable with people around me. To get on board with some sort of God, higher power, call it what you want. I would love to tell you that I have God figured out. I don't a bit more know what this God is everybody speaks of than I did three and a half years ago. I can tell you when I'm close to it. When I look in and say, there's people that love me today. There's people that want me around. I'm getting married this year. And like I did it like, I, you know, I talk to my sponsor because sometimes when I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I'm, I go to him hoping he'll give me some brilliant answer. And I'm like, hey, should I ask her, her dad? Because he's got a little girl, and I figured he would give me some insight on it. And I thought he was going to say something along the lines, well, in today's times, we don't really do that. That's an old tradition. But instead, he tells me, you goddamn right, you better. So at this point, when I go to my sponsor and ask him a question that carries this much weight in my life, he has given me enough advice and shown me the way through this book. He has gained my trust. So I go to her dad, and I'm like, I stumble with my words, and I'm like, uh, and I fuck it all up. Butcher the shit out of it. 
I would love to tell you I'm some Casanova and it works, but that's just not not my experience. And, and I butcher the shit out of it. And uh, you know what that man tells me? He would love me to ask his daughter to marry him or marry her. <laughs> and uh, and, and I and I tell that story because I am a bottom of the barrel junkie. I take good people and turn them into whatever I need them to be. If I get a good girl, she will not be a good girl when I leave. And 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 I don't mean it. I like I just destroy everything I come in contact with. So for somebody to let me marry their little girl, it lets me wrap my head around there's something bigger at work than, than just me and a measly fucking AA book. I mean, and, and that's just the harsh reality of it. You know, and I, and I come into these rooms and I'm like, I'm going to do this so I can get better. And luckily I had a sponsor that was not afraid to tell me, you're going to do this so you can fucking help people. <laughs> so I start helping people and I, and I get to hear that from her dad. I get to make relationships today that are strong. I, I feel like I've known these people all my life. What's going on in their life makes me truly happy. And, and for a junkie like me, I'm so caught up in it. If you're not bringing me anything, if you're not doing anything for me, then fuck you. And it gets me alone and miserable and hating myself. And at some point, picking up this stupid book, and going to the treatment centers and wrapping my head around the God idea, I have the things that I always wanted that I didn't even know that I wanted. From a little boy that the world had wronged me and my mom never taught me what it was like to be loved by a woman. My dad never taught me what it was like to be a man. I get to look at life today because it's much better than I deserve. And it's so good at times that I get ate up with fear that shit's going too good. For a junkie like me, I do not deserve this. And I think that keeps me doing what I do. Keeps me getting on board with some God that I don't understand. Keeps me saying yes when fucking people ask me to sponsor them that I don't necessarily want to sponsor speaking at meetings that I don't necessarily want to speak at. Because it, it was told to me early on that if you do this program, it'll give you something and you will be in debt that you will never be able to pay off. So I do the things that I don't want to do because in comparison, the way my life was and the way my life is now is infinitely better. I got to go to work today at a job that I've been at three years. I, I mean, I'm unhirable before I come in here, and I'm unhirable, and nobody wants me, and they're asking me, you can either resign or leave. From doing this program, I have the opportunity to hire people in these rooms. 
hire people that they're going through their own shit and they're needing somewhere to come get their feet under them. So me being where I'm at, I get the opportunity to do that, and that's a big fucking deal to me because I, I don't care about any of that shit. I got to come up here and speak. Man, when I'm out there doing my thing, people will pay me to leave. <laughs> Trap houses will not let me stay in a cheap-ass leather couch on the porch. <laughs> Nobody wants me around, and I don't want to be around myself. I'm, I hate life, and I hate myself, and I fucking hate you all. Today, not so much. I don't love everybody by no means, but I, I am truly happy. I'm truly content with the way my life is. For the most part, I am truly happy to be here. That's all I got. Hello, I'm Taylor C., and I'm a drug addict. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or follow. And look out for more episodes coming soon.